Welcome to That Doesn't Work Anymore, the digital marketing podcast by Ab3. When you're looking to stand out online, the rules are ever-changing, and yesterday's strategies just won't cut it. Each episode, we'll tap into the brains of our in-house marketing experts, peeling back the layers of the latest trends, tactics, and strategies in 2024. But it's not just about what works, we're here to uncover what doesn't. Let's face it, in this fast-paced digital world, your business might be pouring valuable resources down the drain on outdated approaches. We'll reveal the pitfalls so you can save both time and energy for what truly matters. So buckle up, get ready to deep dive, and let's kick off the show that will revolutionise your approach to digital marketing. Welcome to That Doesn't Work Anymore. Hi, I'm Ashley Royalty, GM of Ad3Shop, the commerce-driven team within Ad3. We aim to disrupt the quote-unquote old-school digital marketing with a modern approach. I'm here today with Taylor Chatterton, Director of Shop. Welcome, Taylor. Thanks, Ashley. All right, let's get into it. We're used to seeing ads on social and search, and now we're really seeing that retail media is booming. When retail media comes to mind, you might immediately think of the beast of Amazon. And in retail media search alone, Amazon will account for 24 billion of the estimated 30 billion US retail media search ad spend this year. I like to consider retail media as that third big wave of digital advertising behind search and social. Retail media really gained its traction during the pandemic due to the rise of e-commerce and the growing need for secure brand safe advertising environments. Really with consumers purchasing more and more online than ever, brands were starting to turn to retail media for new ways to reach consumers and retailers and a way of offsetting that operating cost of e-commerce. So Taylor, what does retail media mean to you? For me, retail media is a lot about meeting consumers where they are and making their shopping experience as streamlined as possible wherever they choose to shop, whether that's D2C, brick and mortar, or as we've seen increasingly um, through retailer sites. I look at this two ways. One is on platform with these retailer sites like Amazon, Instacart, Target, Walmart, And the other side that we're seeing even more growth from is the retailer targeting and measurement that can be used across the open internet. Okay, when we say on-site, what what do you mean by on-site retail media? Well, when you think about it, I'm sure you've shopped on Instacart or Walmart or Target. And when you search for products or you're looking at a category page, you'll likely see um, some of those listings flagged as sponsored. So the sponsored product is the thing that we see the most. It's probably the most ubiquitous across these different platforms. But more and more, we're also seeing advertisers with display and even video placements for um, brands who are looking to make more of an upper funnel or awareness impact. There's been a lot of movement in this space with new retailers and new placement offerings through this year and we're seeing even more of it as we move into 2024. Got it. So when I look at Target and I see that there's a sponsored ad, it's almost like you're amplifying your organic listing into that sponsored placement. You're not needing to have any new creative. Everything is done organically as long as you're selling on that retailer already, correct? Exactly. Great. And then speaking of Instacart, congrats on making Instacart's 2023 fastest growing brands with your client good culture. How did you navigate the newer platform and develop a long-term growth strategy? 
Thanks so much, Ashley. It's really exciting. And I think it's a true testament to um, our team's approach and just really staying the course with the strategy. A year ago, when Instacart released their first fastest growing brands list, we were asking ourselves with good culture, how do we get there? And now we're here. So it's really exciting. And we really applied a lot of the same strategies we'd use for other digital marketing campaigns, but just in a little bit different ways. The first thing we did when we onboarded with Good Culture was just really do an audit, take a look at the account health, ensuring things were set up to best practices. Then once we got everything in a good spot, we really took a second look at how our budget was split across the different product categories to make sure that our allocations were the right balance of coverage across their library of SKUs, but also giving those top performers the priority that they need, and especially those products that were more intro products for the brand, likely to bring in new customers. Next, we looked at what the tentpole moments for the brand were, and also key seasonal moments through the year, and took advantage of that to use more seasonal creative or keywords where possible. An example of this would be for Super Bowl, really leaning into more of their sour cream offering with a lot of people making dips for their Super Bowl parties. Oh, I do love some dips with football. Don't we all? It was kind of funny, too. We ended up doing a little bit of an A-B test. We had creative that was both um, Eagles colors and Chiefs colors. So it was kind of interesting to see. Um, we didn't really see a whole lot of difference in performance, but it was kind of interesting to see what would happen there. But then last, once we had all of that in a good spot, we really shifted into a growth mindset. Once we had that baseline, started testing into new strategies like Instacart's optimized bidding offering and um, testing some betas. We entered into the acquisition campaign or acquire new customers to really maintain a strong ROAS, but also bring in users who hadn't shopped their brand before and convert them into repeat customers. Let's also think back to the placements and inventory that's on retail media sites. So we talked about sponsored products, but really like how do we approach that with clients? And the rationale is it's think of this as a search approach. We're taking the learnings of these non-branded queries that we're seeing even on Google and applying these learnings on these retailer sites. We're bidding to a keyword. We're able to exclude keywords if it's less relevant. Um, and then also being able to make sure that we're upselling wherever possible by being able to have um, different buy boxes on the PDPs or the recommendations. What I would say is that retail media still can be in its infancy depending on the platform. Uh, it's often a little bit fragmented where you're going to all these different types of platforms. Uh, but Instacart to me right now is really... And this is not sponsored by Instacart, uh, but Instacart is really leaning into uh, more of that advanced bidding methodology. Uh, tell me, what is the type of bidding that is really working for you guys on Instacart? It really depends on the client and their goals. Um, for newer brands, we find that starting on the more manual bidding where we have more control over the keywords that we're targeting and the different product and category bids has been very helpful for a more established brand, we've tested into optimized bidding, which is where you set a target return on ad spend or ROAS, and that's done really well also. So I really think it's just a, a matter of, is the brand new to the platform? Do they need to gather those learnings? Or do they have that data where they're able to really lean into the algorithmic bidding? Cool. All this manual bidding, man, that just makes me feel like I'm doing paid search advertising like five years ago. Definitely. 
Okay, so tell me a little bit about what are the different types of platforms we could buy sponsored products. It's I've heard Instacart. Where else can we buy these sponsored ads if our client is actually having products on these retailer sites? There are a whole bunch. Um, grocery is one area where we're seeing a ton of growth right now. Um, Albertsons Media Collective and Kroger are two of the most established grocers specifically. Of course, you know, big box stores as well. Walmart and Target have been players in the space for a while. But we're seeing more and more grocers trying to leverage their data into these retail media platforms. So I think that's a big area of opportunity. And like I said, a lot of these larger box stores, Lowe's, Home Depot, Costco, Sam's, they all have um, offerings through the different retail media networks. And then we're lucky enough with Critio Retail that we can actually consolidate several of the different retailers all in one platform. So it does make it a little bit easier to manage. Yes, thankfully, um, there is some consolidation happening across um, platforms like Critio that do make it a little bit easier because with so many grocers and other retailers wanting to tap into this market and take their first party data and put it to work this way, it really does get very fragmented and can be time consuming to manage ads across these multiple retail platforms. So Ashley, how are you seeing these clients of yours leverage retail media from a targeting perspective, not just on platform or for the retailer? As I mentioned, it really does feel like every retailer is trying to sell their data right now. From loyalty programs to point of sale systems, our favorite retailers have essentially been collecting data on us for quite some time and it's really created this gold mine of first party data and these retailers are now selling it or giving it away for targeting purposes. So on the advertiser side, I'd say we're we've really hit the sweet spot. Uh, but really we can look at this as brands that are either endemic or non-endemic. On the endemic side, this means that you're selling on the retailer site. So that's when we were talking about sponsored products and display. So this is going to be like when you buy Fairlife at Walmart. That's an endemic brand leveraging Walmart's data. There's also the opportunity for non-endemic brands. This could be an insurance company that's wanting to know when people are buying car repair stuff at Walmart or if families are buying uh, new things at Home Depot and it's like you know that they're moving soon. So that's how different types of really clients can leverage the retail space. And when we start thinking about targeting offsite, you can use these audiences to be able to pump in programmatically, whether that's through the trade desk, stack adapt, or truly your DSP of choice and leveraging these retailer audiences, just like you would any other type of second party or third party prospecting data. And how are you evaluating the success of a retail program like that? Both, I mean, on-site seems a little bit more straightforward, but particularly when you're leveraging this data off-site to bring users to a retail page, how do you how do you measure that? Well, like you said, the on-site programs, that's going to be the most straightforward because it is that more direct response. It's trackable. You can see the velocity of sales, the ROAS and new customers, um, just like you would if you're running a D2C campaign through paid search or paid social. All of that is now available on the retail side. However, when you're thinking about off-site performance, that tends to be where it gets a bit more difficult. So depending on the campaign objective, whether it's for upper funnel, awareness goals, we do like to use IRI 
and also rely on that client data to drive sales. So we like to track uh, what the client is seeing on their side from the retailer um, and also leverage brand lift studies so we can measure incrementality, market tests, and also really just see if there's impact from this awareness media. Uh, but I guess that's, you know, that would be similar if we had a client that wasn't retail focused. Upper funnel does tend to be a bit harder to measure and you just have to adjust your KPIs and your narrative, how you're speaking to it, really to determine success. So, okay, Taylor, there's a lot of wins. It seems like retail media is great, but what are really the challenges in the space? I would say as, you know, someone who is more hands-on keyboard, the fragmentation can be a big challenge because there are so many platforms. And if your brand has national distribution across several grocery chains, you know, that's like managing, you know, Google search campaigns, but times five to 10, depending on the number of retailers where they have a presence and want to take advantage of a retail program. So that can be really challenging. Um, each platform has its own ins and outs, slightly different ways of setting up campaigns and bidding. So just staying on top of best practices across so many platforms and optimizing as such can uh, definitely be a challenge and take up a lot of time. Something else that we notice is just there's not a whole lot of standardization across retailer platforms yet. And that's because these have kind of popped up in the last couple of years. You know, Amazon is a huge player in this space and for a while, one of the only, but now that there's more and more of these popping up, um, every platform's attribution is a little bit different. They measure things a little bit differently. Um, so that can be a challenge if you're really trying to compare retailer performance apples to apples. This is something that the IAB is really trying to standardize along with the Albertsons Media Collective. They've been kind of the the first in the space to call for more standardization, but it's really unclear how soon that's going to happen. So what you're telling me is if you are, let's say, an account manager who's hands-on keyboard, you got a lot of work to do. Yeah, you really do. It's like for paid search, we always thought about just Google and Bing as like your two primary platforms, but... Yeah, for good culture, we're up to, I think, six or seven. So it, it really can take a lot of time. Yeah, I, I do know that there are some programs that you can aggregate everything into one space, just like you can with search or social advertising. But of course, it's going to come with its challenges and wins, of course. And it just really depends on the client or the agency that's managing it. Uh, and when I think about retail media as well, is that it's not just for those big box CPG brands like J&J, &J, Unilever, or Colgate. Uh, really, you can take advantage of retail media networks uh, across your different brands. It's, it's so affordable and really accessible. Now that retail media networks are growing and they're becoming more accessible for these brands, what's next? Right now, we can utilize these prospecting audiences through programmatic channels, but how is it going to start bringing into paid social channels or paid search to be able to have these rich audiences that are more accessible and easier to use. Don't get me wrong, you can use functions like LiveRamp to be able to pump it into your paid social tactics, but you're going to be paying on a cost per or a percentage of spend, um, but it's just not as easy. So that's where I think could be the next phase for retail media is that it's just more accessible about transporting these audiences across different types of mediums. What do you think is next in retail media? There's a lot of things that are really interesting in this space right now. Um, something that we've noticed from a user experience standpoint is 
when you're a brand that is in lots of retailers in a particular area, um, offering users that choice. So if there's a, you know, someone's a loyal Kroger shopper, do we really want to send them to a Walmart product page or do we want to give them that choice? So, you know, taking advantage of of technology like Micmac or smart commerce to really um, allow users the choice in the cart, I think that's going to be more important as more um, brands enter this space. Speaking of Micmac and uh, smart commerce, it's it's really that way of like being retailer agnostic or even just purchasing agnostic. You're allowing the consumer then to decide, do they want to shop direct to consumer? Do they want to shop at Ulta or Target or whatever it may be. And it allows them to be very customer focused, which I think is great that we don't have to force people to purchase in one area. Exactly. And that also gives us as um, advertisers and marketers even more data to work with because we're able to see which types of users are choosing Walmart over Kroger or Target and then build personas based off of that with, with these tools. More retailers are also entering the space as things get more crowded. Uh, you know, I do expect to see costs increase, much like we've seen um, with social media and paid search before that. But there are a couple of retailers really trying to stand out as they onboard into this space. The Hy-Vee Red Media, it's a new program that was announced this year. Hy-Vee's a Midwest grocer, for those of you who don't know. They are looking at a pay-per-conversion model. Most retail media networks are offering a CPC. Um, so this pay-per-conversion is a really interesting way to um, kind of shake things up and ensure that brands can spend their budgets more effectively and efficiently. Sam's is another one that's doing some interesting stuff. They're doing a cross-platform integration where um, they're kind of marrying the media performance with their actual sales data so that you can see the more holistic impact that your programs are having. Yeah, and a lot of these that are having the in-store foot traffic as well as online sales, they're starting to, you know, merge those together as well, which I think is, I mean, it's it's so much needed, especially when we start thinking about the measurement and the trackability. Definitely. One more trend that we're keeping our eye on is the emergence of um, ride share and delivery apps in the space, things like Uber Eats and DoorDash. Uber Eats inventory is now available for purchase through the Critio network, but um, as these apps and technologies really lean into that convenience factor, I think there is more opportunity for brands in that space as well. And a lot of this that we've talked about has been more so with U.S. retailers, but brands need to also think about that this can be leveraged internationally as well. Uh, Critio is a great example in which you can do some of their EMEA and also uh, Asian markets to be able to have like specific retailers in those areas and have the same tactics of doing sponsored products or displays. Uh, but it does get a bit more tricky on if it is that managed service or the self-service. Um, it just it's still so new that it's hasn't finally gotten as accessible over there. Yeah, when we do this for more global clients, um, brands in the UK and in Europe particularly, we've just found that um, the programs there are are more in their infancy than what we're seeing in the US, which they're definitely growing and, and there's a need in the space for that, but it is working with a lot more of managed service and, and being mindful of, of minimums on those platforms. 
what I'm loving right now is how Instacart is truly dominating the U.S. market from that grocery delivery. However, when I'm over there in London, I'm seeing that GoPuff is making the stance. So I've got my eye on them and seeing how they're going to start growing and trying to capture their market share over there in the U.K. Uh, because right now they're advertising on GoPuff isn't general access. It's still a little bit in beta. They're still trying to test it out. Uh, but I think it could really shake things up as Definitely. well. Someone we're keeping our eye on in the U.S. as well. Okay, so last question, Ashley. If you were working with a brand who's not in this space but wants to get into it, where would you start? What would your advice be to that brand? I would definitely say get in now. What we're seeing is that the price to get into these retail media platforms is still very affordable. It is not as saturated right now. Um, so get in while the media is a little bit on the lower side um, and really start learning what works for your brand. Also just think about like what your goals are. If you are gonna be that performance marketing based client where you're focused on sales and ROAS, start thinking about doing sponsored product ads uh, since that's gonna be the most trackable and the most bottom of funnel. Consider where your products are being sold at to determine if that retailer has a retail media network as well as how you're gonna buy it. If you're gonna be more on the awareness side, start thinking about if there are some off-site display tactics that you can do or even on-site display. Uh, can you leverage their audiences? Can you do an email takeover? Can you do uh, out of home in these retailer uh, sites? So those are things that I would think about. Uh, for most of my brands that I'm working with at Ad3, the biggest thing is going to be going into the sponsored product ads because it's so simple to get going. I mean, we've had clients be able to get it going in like two days, if not sooner. Um, and we're seeing immediate results with positive returns. And I would add to that for more established brands that are spanning across multiple retailers, of course, testing and learning on these different platforms is great, but it, you know, with so many, it can be difficult to do. So really evaluating the performance of different retailers, considering your distribution so that you can prioritize maybe five to seven retailer networks at most um, and really not spread yourselves too thin with your dollars. Thanks, Taylor, for talking with me today about retail media networks. Um, you know, what I can pull from this is it's cool, it's exciting, it's growing but there's still a lot more that can be done. Um, and it really is going to be exciting to see what happens next in the retail media space. So thanks for being here with us and looking forward to see what you do with your clients. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of That Doesn't Work Anymore. If any of the topics we explored today left you hungry for more, reach out to us at ad3.com forward slash contact. Stay tuned because we're gearing up for another exciting episode of That Doesn't Work Anymore. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, keep innovating and keep rocking that digital marketing game.